Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Hello and welcome to Stress Test on Soho Radio. Um, We are here in the Soho studio in London. I'm with my co-host Ella Frears. Hello. And we today we have a very special guest, Mark Waldron. Hi, Mark. Hi there. Hi there. Um, so you just heard a song by Aidan. I'm going to start immediately with a plug. That was a song by Aidan Moffat to start with, who we're doing a gig with in Edinburgh. We've never left London before. <laughs> so we're doing a stress test at the Edinburgh Book Festival on the 12th. Of August. Of August. If you're around or up in the city, then do come and see us. It's at 8.30 p.m. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you can get tickets on the Edinburgh Book Festival website. It's going to be really fun. Excited and terrified. Excited and terrified. I listened to quite a bit of Arab Strap and Aidan Moffat on the way, on the cycle down here. And yeah, he's, I mean, he's like, in fact, it made me think of, he's like the, I don't say he's like the streets, but, you know, he's got this thing of like, it sounds like he's talking to you. You're in the back of a rave mm. and you've met this like wired guy. And in the next room, you can still hear the pounding techno, but it's like <laughs> muffled. And he's telling you half audible stories from his life. And <laughs> that's, the, that's the aesthetic. Um, so we're looking forward to seeing how he does that in 15 minutes uh, under pressure. Great. Anyway. <laughs> so welcome Mark um, you didn't know really what you were doing when oh, no idea but that's the story of my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah we just explained to him why he was here um, and why why is Mark here <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark's here to write some poems hopefully to read some poems that he's come ready prepared with um, also to play some music that's right. <laughs> okay. Um, but also to talk to us about his new book, which I have in my hand. It's called A Straight Up Giant. Did it just very much just come out? I think it was, um, I think it was the uh, 22nd of June or something was the publication date. And because it's a poetry book, obviously that was a huge, I mean, the culture sh- shifted. I'm sorry, I'm being sarcastic straight away. But, you know, when a poetry <laughs> yeah. book comes out... <laughs> Even I barely notice it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though, because when books come out, you know, they the publisher sends you copies like way in advance, and then there's a publication day, and then you might do a little launch. And these things are so kind of, you know, there's a big time between these, and also when you actually finish writing the book, is like six months before it. Right. Appears so the whole thing is very kind of protracted. Mm-hmm. So the day itself mean? was it? Did you mark the day itself with of what of finishing it and of it being published? No, I don't think 
I don't you didn't I even did. notice, did you? You just did I your... think I might have missed the day. But... <laughs> but you're having a launch, right? Yeah. Yeah, that'll yeah. mark it. That'll mark it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the cover? The cover's nice. So, it's by a German artist called Philip Grosinger. And um, I follow a lot of artists on Instagram. Mm-hmm. A lot of German... I'm always... For a long time, I've been very interested in German contemporary art. So, um... I followed him for a while and then I thought, actually, it would be great to use one of his images. So I asked him and he said, yeah. Do you ever go to Documenta? I haven't been to Documenta. Oh, that's, that's German Contemporary Art Central. Right. <laughs> the big art festival every, what, five years? Right, in right. I've been, I went to every freeze in London for like 15 years or something. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> it's good fun, I guess. There's a great yes. show on at... Um, of a German artist, Anselm Kiefer, at the mm. moment at White Cube. Nice. In Bermondsey, which I recommend. Oh, cool. F- fantastic. Yeah. Paintings. Epic. Mm. Why ge- what's the particular aesthetic of the Germans that you like? I don't know. I've wondered about that. Um, I don't know. I think the first... I was got interested in Joseph Boys and then Martin Kippenberger and then... <clears throat> You know, once you start somewhere and mm. you, you just find yourself exploring that area until you're kind of slightly addicted to, <laughs> to that area. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Do you feel the same about German writers? Not, not really, no. Um, I mean, I was very... Uh, art, the visual art is what I was kind of drawn to for most of my... <clears throat> you know, for the last 20, 30 years, much more than poetry, much more than writing, really. Mm. Um, How did you become a poet? Um, well, you prob- I probably always sort of... Well, but maybe everybody sort of is. Do you think? Does everybody do it at some stage? Do I think that? Uh, I mean, in the sense that you probably get forced to do it at school, but not... Oh, you think everyone has that their moment in their room... Yeah, well, I wonder about that. I mean, I suppose I felt like I had that and then I didn't do anything with it until I was 40. Right. I tried to write a novel which had little bits of poems in it. Oh, was, it, was, it, was, it was the protagonist a poet? No, it was a kind of meandering um, kind of story, slightly Tristan Shandy-ish, I suppose. Mm. My wife said that the, the novel's really, really bad, but, <laughs> but the poems in it are good. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so I decided to have a go at that. There's, yeah. there's a poetry collection buried beneath the novel. Yeah, in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. so that's an amazing reaction to your wife's um, critique, though, to, to, be, to be like, OK, cool. Well, to be poetry, fair, then. well she nagged me for 10 years um, before I did anything about it. And uh, have you ever looked at the novel again? No, I wonder where it is. I mean, it's so old. It's pre-computer. You wrote it with a quill. Yeah, pra- <laughs> virtually. I mean, it's it's pre-computers and me- and you know, it's written on a typewriter, right. on, a, on a kind of electric typewriter. Oh, I wow. think uh, in offices, you know, when I was meant to be working. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it does probably exist in hard copies somewhere. Somewhere, yeah, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> Should we hear a poem? From yeah, you? let's hear a poem. That would be great. Do you want to read one from the new book? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so in the middle of the book, there are some p- 
poems that I've called grim poems, and they're kind of they're kind of they use the tropes of fairy tales, and um, so I thought I could do one of those. The Woodman Prince. In a kingdom lit by lashings of sunshine and dew process, there once lived a handsomely assembled woodman who would turn, just like that, into a nicely put-together prince and then back into the woodman and then again into the prince and then the woodman and then the prince and then the woodman and then the <laughs> prince. The changes occurred with an arbitrary frequency. Sometimes they burst rapid as the splutters of a guttering candle or the flickers of an ailing bulb. And other times he would settle for a while into one or other of the states and would look around tentative, increasing in confidence that he might have solidified once and for all around the axle of whatever that manifestation happened to be, only to suddenly judder for a moment with the sound of the grinding of gears before his appearance switched back to that of the rustic woodman with an unkempt beard or that of the suave and clean-shaven prince with a jewelled ballock knife tucked into his belt. Oh, but how the maidens were mad for him in each of his modes and kissed him in reiterant and headlong kisses so that they and their friends might shriek when he switched mid-kiss. And then the young women would all jump up and down and clap with happiness and fright and the woodman or the prince would laugh along with them every time the switcheroo came upon him in their presence. <laughs> what strife of misdeed had the old tailor committed that a curse that dumb should have stitched his innocent son? <laughs> I love that poem. It, it's so... Um, I've read it. I read it multiple times already this weekend, so I felt like <laughs> that was the um, perfect, the perfect thing to hear. But that that poem really gets into, well, a there's the series of poems which have the kind of language of fables and and fairy tales, like but twisted inside them, which I love. But also it's got that the kind of doubleness thing, which is in a lot of the poems, like coins and things being both at the same time and people switching. And was that as you're writing the book, are you kind of thinking at that level of themes or is it just that it ends up being that way? I, hadn't, I actually hadn't noticed that, it had, that that had happened, you know. Right. It's funny that, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm, is that the same for all of us? That, that you don't really know what you're doing until, <laughs> until you've done it. And you are always doing something other than just... Um, writing individuals that you know there are kind of there are concerns and then there are concerns under those concerns and then there are ones underneath that and and you know you they kind of you discover that i mean you know that's the first time i've i haven't thought about the fact that there's a certain amount of switching going that's on so in surprising <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah it's very present to me anyway i guess maybe i tuned into it but i felt like yeah, it's very present. No, you're right. I can think now of others that um, have a bit of that about. There's bread buttered on both sides. There's, yeah. There's someone swapping clothes with a friend. There's swapping clothes with a which friend. Which is, I suppose, switching. Yeah, there's mm. lots of that. More poems should have the word switcheroo in, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a good word, isn't it? A silly word. Are you, are you a collector of 
silly words. Do you kind of? Oh, not, they're all silly, but unusual words. Your, your your diction is so varied. Do you have a kind of process for that? Yeah, the thesaurus. No. Well, yeah. I mean, I just <laughs> constantly betray. I don't betray. <laughs> I wanted him well, to no, have I some. I collect silly things. I might write silly phrases. Switcheroo is not in the thesaurus. I think it probably is. It probably. Is. I wouldn't know. You're looking at me like I would know. I yeah. Don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I can't remember where that came from. But I also quite like to use a word like that in a poem that's kind of purportedly kind of set in the Middle Ages or something. It's <laughs> yeah, just, that's it's right. just silly. It's a silly word and. In that context, it's even a tiny bit sillier, maybe. Yeah. There was a moment I loved where you talked about the women um, with happiness and fright when they're kissing or clapping. I can't remember which one. Um, But the word fright, like, sort of, I like Mm. that when you, um, I'm doing a sort of waking up uh, face, (laughs) 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 Um, which doesn't carry on the radio. But, um, yeah, it sort of made me feel um, awake suddenly, which I always like in a poem. Yeah. Awakeness is, is very much the feeling of these poems. There's also a cool strand of poems all written, I guess, in the voice of a character called Marcy. Is she is she a repeating character? Yeah, in your books? she's been in all the books. Right. Yeah, she's a sort of invented muse. Right. <laughs> but is is she? Yeah, she's. It's Marcy says, isn't it? The, yeah. The poems. So, so it's her speaking. Right? Yeah. And what's her what's her thing? Um. I don't know, really. She I seems mean, a bit. She's a bit filthy, is what I'm getting at. She's like, she's she is quite, um... quite filthy. Yeah, I think <laughs> she kind of set out to embarrass me in those poems. <laughs> but um, I wanted to give her a voice. You know, she's existed in all the books as this kind of invented character who I treat as you would have treated a muse, I suppose, in the in the past. Mm. So, um, but she is a kind of concoction. I like the idea that she's trying to embarrass you. I can imagine that quite a fun perspective to write out of, you know, a character. Is it like a John Barrowman Dream Songs type uh, sort of other voice that could be your voice? Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's in that range, isn't it? It's like in Barrowman, the voice is kind of buried in the poem where these entire poems are spoken yeah, as sure. Marcy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it's very Barrowman-like. It's sort of... For, I imagined her, I don't know if it comes across actually, but I imagined her, I located her in the 1930s in, the, in those right. poems, which probably doesn't come across, but her attitudes. <laughs> yeah, they felt quite modern, to be fair. Did they? Okay. But some of the attitudes she expresses are quite um, old-fashioned, I guess. Yes, that's right. Um, which is maybe part of the thing of her embarrassing you. I think so, yeah. And it is actually quite... Um, strange reading them out because I think I might have done one of one or two of them at readings mm. and um, and there's I'm less able to pretend that it's not me <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, your, your physical self is really getting in the way in those yeah in those it really does you know my voice and uh, it, it kind of sounds like me, rather, you know. <laughs> whereas on the page, I'm hoping that's slightly more hidden. It but. is a lot more hidden, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I think. Mm, yeah, I can imagine it being tricky to read them from your own face, but yeah. in, in the page, they're incredible. Um, well, shall we get writing some poems? Um, I think we're going to start with my music, just because. 
you guys chose quite confrontational music and this is being broadcast at 7am so it's currently 21 minute past 7 and I think only my songs are appropriate. <laughs> I think Daddy Yankee is breakfast appropriate. It is breakfast. Late, any, late breakfast. Cue the producer is nodding. Was that? Were some of the ones I suggested confrontational? They're challenging. They kind of got a, that 80s like freeform thing going on. Yeah, Some okay. kind of like clanging and yeah, jazzy, okay. yes, okay. jazzy so stuff. Mean, I thought you meant you lyrically, but yeah, no, 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 I, know, no. I do know what you mean, yeah. I just mean... Not gentle. Okay. Mm. <laughs> so, let's have some gentle songs let's then, have some gen- Yeah, so gentle. So we've got f- four titles to choose from. So this is what we're going to write our poem with the title as. So um, Moon. Oh, no. One. Yeah, sorry about that. Purple Snowflakes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Warm Weather. Skylarking. You could also have Pieces of a Dream. Gosh, they are very poemy, no. aren't they? Yeah. I should have looked deeper into the lyrics or something a bit more bearable. We could mix them up. Purple weather. Um, <laughs> so close to purple rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, which we've definitely written a poem about before. Um, what do you like, Mark? Ooh, um, <clears throat> I quite like skylarking. It's about the only... What does it mean, actually? Yeah, right. Because there's mudlarking. <laughs> yeah, what is skylarking? No, I it, don't know. It, it is, is a, a skylark a type of bird? A lark is a type of bird. Yeah. And to lark is to... Hugh like, knows about, about reggae. Any, any... It's like mucking about, like, stop your yeah. skylarking. Oh, yeah, right. Stop okay. larking around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is it? Okay, yeah. Elijah Manelli is on the case. <laughs> That's Hugh's musician name. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Skylarking is going to be the title, and I think it's about 16 minutes of music, and you're very welcome to write along at home if you want to. You can even contact us at Stress Test Soho on Twitter, and we'll be back in a little bit to share our poems, and yeah, enjoy the music. Stress is your friend. We need it. Hello and welcome back to Stress Test on Soho Radio. We are here with our very special guest, Mark Waldron. Mark, how was it? Was it stressful or was it fine? Or something else more sophisticated than those two options? I'd say weirdly... um, the anticipation of it was massively more stressful than <laughs> you know that thing when you do you're going to do a reading and you have three you know maybe it's quite a big audience thing right. and you've got three days of feel or I <laughs> have days of feeling beyond stress mm. and then you go and you're actually on the stage and you feel completely safe it's weird right so this was a bit like that it's like do you know what I mean yeah totally. do you to experience that kind of feeling. My performance anxiety continues on the stage and then I have an anxiety dream after the performance where I replay the performance but everything that I did wrong is amplified. So um, oh, no. <laughs> to some Do extent. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't that doesn't come across at all in your in your readings or your no. stage persona, but but do you, do you have a spike beforehand, or is it just kind of steady? 
yeah, I, uh, I'm better these days actually, but I won't sleep the night before March Whoa. if it's a big one. Smaller right. ones I'm, I can deal with now. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, it's the after. It's the wine hangover. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, but you actually reflect on the reading itself and you think, I should have done well, that better. Well, not by choice. But <laughs> <laughs> I've had a weird thing with readings. That, um, because I memorise and just recite. So I've done a reading and I thought everything went perfectly. And then once or twice things have been filmed and I've looked back at it and I've just missed out whole chunks of <sighs> Thinking it's all perfect. Well, know. that's better, though, isn't it? That, that you think it's all perfect and you roll through. Well, except that I've read, I've recited something that doesn't really make any sense. No, OK, <laughs> that's not ideal. But maybe no one's really paying attention anyway, so it's fine. That's amazing. Alice Oswald talks about um, the moments, because she recites from memory, the moments when the words, there's a repeated word, and if you're not paying attention, you can go back to the, to the oh, first wow, back in the loop. one. And, and start again. And start and again. Be and not forever. Yeah, and not realise. <laughs> the skipping record. <laughs> I was on stage a couple of nights ago and I could I you know, I got onto the stage and then I realised I couldn't see my book. Oh. And I was reading a long poem that I don't know very well. Um and I really just had to um I did some sort of uh I let my skirt the slit of my skirt fall quite high so people were distracted from the <laughs> just I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> One of your tricks. <laughs> But with your learning off by heart, the poems off by heart, does that, do you have to do a lot of work for that? I mean, I imagine that would increase the stress um, a lot. I don't know, because it's just what I've always done. What made you do, do it like that? The, the first workshop I ever went to was Michael Donaghy's uh, oh, he did thing, that. and he did it. Yeah. And I just thought, if you can do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you can do it, I can yeah, do it. Yeah, exactly. and... Um, yeah, I mean, I often recommend it to people. But also, once you do do that, I've realised there's a skill to reading as well, which I don't have. So occasionally I've had to read something because... Uh, I can't... Under what circumstances, I can't remember. But sometimes I've had to read something and I've realised I'm not very good at engaging... People who read all the time are able to read and engage an audience, I think, whereas I don't really... I haven't learned to do that. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I I get it feels like I'm too in the audience's face when I because I I I I guess I try to look up when I'm reading but I am I I imagine without the book there just like staring out at people kind of eyeballing them I would feel very much like I needed to look away or something. I don't know. What where where do you look if you don't want to look at them? <laughs> yeah, I just drift around and try and focus on people individuals yeah just not and not stay on someone <laughs> no no but just pick people out and 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 um focus on them for a couple of seconds and then someone else and then and yeah. then and then the floor for a bit and then someone you know. right right what i like is they can't get away <laughs> <laughs> uh, you pin the them feeling pin them to mm, the seat they're slightly stuck there's um there's a poet called james trevelyan um who told me that he, if he catches somebody's eye while he's reading a line, he will finish that line holding their eye contact always. Um, and I've tried it, and that it's really too much for me. Too much. Yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing seeing him do it, but um, right, I know him. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what has he ever asked what uh, the person that he's done that with what that felt like. 
I, I don't know, but um, he read in Cornwall. I, I brought him to where I'm from, and um, and everyone afterwards in the audience was like, I really felt like I knew him. Do I know right, him? Right. I was like, hmm. Right. I guess yeah. There's like on the upside, it's obviously you know you increase the intensity and you've got that potential connection there. But I feel like for maybe you have to have a sense of who wants yeah to be yeah. have their soul pulled out. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get anxious, Joe? Um, yeah, I do. I guess a bit like Mark. If it's a bigger gig, or like you, sorry. If it's a bigger gig, I'll definitely have maybe the night before and then through the day kind of stomach wobbles. But if it's smaller or somehow more relaxed, then I've, these days I'm kind of okay. Do you two have kind of rituals to make you? Like, do you have special underwear or like... Um, <laughs> I don't know. I I'm I was going to say that I have makeup that I put on for shows, but right. um, I presume that's not. I'm, I don't want to make any assumptions. I think it, I have found that it's quite good to be um, angry about something, right. but you can't really make yourself angry. But there have been a couple of times when I've gone on, and something's really pissed me off. And, yeah. And afterwards, I thought actually, in a bit of intensity there, and that the that, of... that yeah that that kind of worked as an engine kind of thing but i think you know i can imagine that really working particularly because your poems are quite funny or they have like a comic side to them and i feel like that counterbalance of a kind of like cold rage beneath like some <laughs> some humor can be a really nice like double. yeah also i think hanger that mm. i've always given myself a rule that do not have a hangover when you're doing a reading and then one night i was at stanza and i went out with a friend till three o'clock in the morning and I had to do an 11 o'clock in the morning <laughs> reading. <clears throat> and I remember standing on the beach in the drizzle on my own an hour before the reading crying. <laughs> Sorry. Because I felt so awful. And um, I did my reading and my friend came up to me afterwards and said, that is the best reading you have ever done. <laughs> and I, I thought, oh, great. okay, hangovers are... I think that's a thing. That is a thing. Yeah. Is it? Because you're you have a lack of yourself. Your own inner voice is sort of it. It can't be bothered, mm. and right. so it doesn't get in the way. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Joe, you look confused. No, I'm. I'm just thinking about the the raid being angry thing. You know, it's another thing of like you were crying a bit before the reading, like carrying in these other emotions into yeah. the reading that just kind of like are the are the wash that mm. are the background for all your yeah. Poems. Maybe it is that. I once taught a masterclass with food poisoning and the diciness of that two-hour um, situation um, meant that I, the energy was very sort of... I was standing up a lot. Uh, was oh, oh sorry, you, your masterclass wasn't in food poisoning. Oh, the no. art of food poisoning. That's yeah. interesting, though. <laughs> <laughs> you thought that. No, I had food poisoning. Um, it came on just before the class and I... Um, I don't know why... Did you ever do this thing where, like, you could just say, look, I'm I'm sick, I'm really sorry. Right. Um, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm contagious. I have... No. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, so I went through with it. Uh, not the, the, the class. And... Um, <laughs> and uh, but the sort of... Uh, that I didn't know if it was going to be the most embarrassing moment of my life kind of really gave the yeah. class some edge. Yeah, yeah right. I can imagine. Yeah. It's the best I've ever taught. <laughs> um, all right, shall we write another poem? I think we're going to have Mark's music now. I'm trying to remember your song titles, Mark. I've got them here actually. Um, so your song titles are a lot more 
evocative we than mine. Read the poems. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank I you, had, Ella. In my head, I thought, have I just blanked for the whole time? That no, we've that's done amazing. That? We haven't even Maybe thought about it. Maybe we should just skip that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how lovely. That's a sign that, I don't know. That you don't want to, that, maybe. <laughs> I have written quite a shit poem. <laughs> um, mine is quite shit. Mark, said you said yours is quite short. Well, actually, it's not that. It, that was halfway through and then it got longer. Oh, you had But a... it's not, it's, that, it's like that. Okay, it's longer than mine. Yeah, it's much longer than mine. <laughs> it's because it waffles. It waffles. Who wants to? I guess I should start because it was my songs. Yeah, I'm not going to apologise again for my <laughs> shit poem, but know that I would like to apologise again. Skylarking. <clears throat> In the rough house, there is that special sound a group of young boys make when a good friend punches a good friend just so. It is a happy pantomime sound of orchestra stabs and smoke machines. Someone bad has arrived. The arm dead and swinging, swinging like a lap puppet's. It is their love language, the bruise like a drone shot of an unpeopled atoll, where the distant whoop and oof draws birds from the trees. The meat of the bicep, tenderized and slabbed out on the marble counter, they will never be more cheerful or more hungry. <laughs> really great. good. Yeah, great. A great idea as well. Um, was it, oof, what was it, oof and whoop? No. Yeah, whoop, the whoop and oof. Whoop and oof, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's much better that way around. It's good. Yeah. Uh, cool. Oh, well, there you go. There's a poem. <laughs> Mine's not dissimilar in theme, I think. Well, because Hugh told us that Skylarking was this um, kind of playful yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. Oh, what, do you want to hit, read yours? Yeah, I don't know why I decided to... Anyway, um, we'll see. Oh, also, I don't... Yeah, okay, no. uh, you bet we mugged the furrows and romped the open plain, joshed the moles out of their burrows, frolic soft as rain. We slid, we kicked, we pushed the landscape, which was pliable in those days. The curtain of light, we left it, torn and frayed. Michael dropped the ball. Uh, no, tossed the ball to Michael, sorry. Michael dropped the ball. A bouquet of thorns and nettles then, we, ripped his, we whipped his body raw. And with the jolly whipping, exuberant tears fell, and round him went a skipping until they rang the bell. Great. <laughs> that was lovely when it got into its proper um, nursery rhyme yeah. of, of evil ending. <laughs> um, I love that. Oh, that's so horrible. Um, if you notice that it dropped meter at one point, it's because I couldn't read my writing. I don't know what the fuck it said. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought that was a moment of yeah. deliberately varying the meters. So, I just yeah. thought I could say or I could not say and just <laughs> like really let it fall flat. Yeah. I like that a lot. Thank you. Mark, do you want to... Yeah, my God, you've both written proper poems. <clears throat> OK. Skylarking. Everything is something. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Absolutely every single thing is an absolutely single something. It's suffocating when you think about it, the plethora. Every tiny thing and every big thing and all the medium-sized things <laughs> in between, putting on graces, putting on ours, dancing about, 
jostling for position, pretending it's all for fun, all of them wearing their names like badges at a convention of creatures and plants and things, a convention of everything, where everything has something to sell. There might be trees larking in the park, standing in rows, chewing their leaves to make a scene. There might be a pale moon begging. There might be warm weather creating an atmosphere of warmth. There might be some sort of ending. Yes. yes. Did you get in all of the song titles? Did you get all of them in? No, I just got some of them. I didn't get the purple... Wasn't that purple snow? Oh, purple yeah. snow. <clears throat> but you got warm weather and... Yeah. Moon. Yeah, I mean, I not because I thought I had to. It's just they were there. <laughs> no, I didn't think you'd misunderstood. You just kind of <laughs> magpied them in. I thought you'd done like stress test plus. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were insufficiently stressed. <laughs> it's good. That was great. I love that opening line as well. That's mm. fantastic. Uh, okay, brilliant. Well, we've done we've, we've done fine. We can move on to the second poem with pride. Okay, so we're going to hear Mark's songs now um the titles of the songs are bat chain puller warm leatherette oh we could also have the band name the normal satisfaction give me back my man okay so those are the bat chain puller warm leatherette the normal satisfaction or give me back my man uh, mark since they're your songs are any of those it might be a bit slightly trickier since you know the songs probably really well but are any of those uh, attractive for you? Um, not really. <laughs> Why not? I mean, no. Um, <laughs> God, it's quite hard. I mean, satisfaction, maybe. Yeah. Satisfaction. It's quite open, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Is that, that okay, okay with you, Ella? I liked warm leather. Is it warm leatherette? No. Warm leatherette. Yeah. Okay. Well, should we? Do? I'm fine with that. Hmm. No. No, not into that. I quite like the normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Should we do the normal? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, right, this is 15 minutes of Mark's music, and we're going to write a poem called The Normal. We'll see you after this. Stress is your friend. We need it. Hello and welcome back to Stress Test on Soho Radio. I'm here with Ella Frears and Mark Waldron and we've just written our second poems of today. This one was called The Normal. Ella, how did you... You said you weren't excited about this title. I, I wasn't. And, uh, <laughs> and do you remain unexcited? I, um, I don't know. I don't know what I've done. Uh, oh, that's... A good sign? I, yeah, <laughs> Did I'm, you? I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, how was the normal for you? I found it w- w- harder than the last one. 
I, th- I think I slightly ca- sort of carried on with the last one in a slightly different way. Right. Somehow I got stuck in the tone. Okay. That can happen. That's interesting, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, well, let's hear yours first then, because it will kind of connect directly on from what we heard last time. The normal. Pale and round. Soft also, a normal soft with a general degree of palpability. (laughs) Trousers, shoes, hairs, streets and days. Here's normalcy gathering in the park. Children, trees, ducks, pond. Lie out on the normal grass under the trees and wait for it to happen. (laughs) Because happen, it will. Mm. Mm. That's really nice. I realise now that I have... I'm going to call it mirroring as opposed to plagiarism, but I think I have also just taken your tone from your last (laughs) (laughs) two poems um, to some extent Mm. because it's so good. (laughs) It's really good. It's really um, catchy as well. It's catchy, isn't it? (laughs) Um, All right, I'll read my one. The normal. Clearly you should live in a different place to the place in which you live with its closed sections of pavement and strange, sleepless men hypnotised by their reflections in the strip of reflective security glass between someone's front door and the co-op. You should live somewhere more general, like France. They have food there and opinions. And And all summer, the woodpeckers at least explored their devastation, battering their heads against the wall, while you... You felt yourself modestly contented and ignored the voice that said this contentment was itself a pitiful compromise equivalent with death. And in fact, you told the voice it was foolish and censorious and would probably find Paris dirty and expensive and full of bad food unless you know what you're doing. And the voice said some other things in reply, but you weren't listening. Ooh. <laughs> great. <laughs> it's great. Um, I think that I just felt like I didn't know how to finish it, but anyway. Sensorious. Sensorious, yeah. Sensorious. It's an LRB word. Picked it up in the LRB over the weekend. Pretty, oh, really? pretty pleased with it. <laughs> I should not have let my subscription lapse. <laughs> <laughs> sensorious. Yeah, I was talking about the sensoriousness of of the younger generation, and whether in fact that is they are sensorious, or whether we've all at that time of our lives been sensorious. Or is it a unique moment? Mm. Were you a censorious? I don't think I... I'm trying to, from the context of everything you're saying, I'm trying to work out what it (laughs) means. And I'm... Yeah, I'm not there yet. I guess, Mark, I I think it means like... um, Judgmental. Judgmental, hardline moralist. Right. Yeah, telling other people Mm. off. Was I censorious? Yeah, were you a censorious youth? Or are you still censorious? I don't think you are currently censorious. <laughs> um, no, I, I, no, I don't think so. I really enjoy um, <clears throat> I, everybody's sort of fuck-ups. Right. is isn't the thing that I, I like about humans. I was a very censorious teen. <clears throat> In what respect? Well, specifically smoking, which I was a right prick about. Oh, what, you hated it? I hated it, and any of my friends who did it, I lectured them like a Fucking awful... Wow. Yeah, it was unpleasant. Do you know um, why? 
I think I had a really clear sense that I would never do anything wrong or make a mistake in my entire life. And until I started making mistakes, <laughs> it was, yeah, I needed, it needed that to kind of like make me realize, yeah. Wow. As a, this is like 15, yeah, when I was like 15, I was pretty sure I would never do anything wrong. I do remember uh, telling on um, someone at um, summer camp when I was 10 that because they had some Bacardi breezes in their bag. And I think that I thought that that was what I was supposed to do because I've, um, I've always been a bit of a sucker for um, like a teacher figure. Mm. Um, and I thought that that would make me... But the teacher figure was quite cool. And uh, as he was pouring away the Bacardi breezes, he sort of shook his head at me and I thought, never ag- I'm never going to... Uh, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> never going to knock. Never going to knock again. <laughs> Right, he made that made pouring away the Bacardi breezes seem hot. Is that what you're saying? No, no. That he was was he. He was disappointed in me. He was like, "This is the this this was the wrong move." Oh, I thought you meant that like he did it in such a cool way that you thought. Oh, I'm interested uh, that I don't seem to be making like the sense sensory. I'm pretty pretty sure it's my fault. (laughs) Um, How about you, Mark? Um, I don't think I was censorious within my peer group um, but maybe censorious to the, about the values of my parents generate you know right. as a teenager right um, did you lecture them about their failures I think I might have done yeah it's actually very hard to remember I have quite a bad mem- long term memory I think yeah um, but I do look back at my teenage self and feel very little identification with him. Mm. You know, mm. um, I don't think I'd like him very much. No. Um, yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, have we, we haven't heard your poem, have no. we? No. No. Yeah, no, we have heard yours. Okay. Let's hear Ella's poem. Uh, strap in Um, (laughs) the escape room was called the normal and it was more of an escape train the first riddle was navigating the seat reservations which had been switched off due to overcrowding having played before you knew to head for the quiet carriage and sat by the window the man that sits next to you is jolly a bit cheeky even and you find it funny to see the other passengers side eye his voice which is croaky beer saturated and too loud (laughs) you used to be a bartender so you know how to handle situations like this. You complete. Uh, you will complete the normal. You joke back and he relaxes. You have 4.5 hours until your destination. The train moves, his body and his scent are close. The aircon breaks and drips onto your head. Uh, his talk begins to switch to compliments. He likes your teeth. He breaks the touch barrier much earlier than expected, pretending to jostle for the armrest which you are no longer, which you are nowhere near. You have four hours left. Things are accelerating quicker in this version of the normal. The man touches your thigh, apologises in one fluent action. The man cuts. The man has cuts on his knuckles. The guard comes through and you make a face that says, I'm ready to escape the normal. And the guard checks both tickets and moves on, shrugging. You search for an idea. The normal must be set to advanced. A double seat freeze and you suggest you both spread out to have more room. Are you trying to get rid of me? He spits close to your face. You have three hours to go. He tells you if you want to spread out, you can put your legs across his. He won't touch you. Not like that, darling. Not like that. 
you have an, an idea and try to sleep and he jabs you in the ribs. You ask him to move and he leans close into your hair and the other passengers are in their laptops, headphones. And they know, you know, he knows. The hills rush past. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was so good. If good's the word, brilliant. Yeah, and a lot of it. I mean, amazing. Mm. And the fact that it starts as, you know, the way it kind of darkens beautifully from a kind of escape room comic conceit and then recontextualises that very brutally. I think both of you notice, have got a noticeably good at this. Do you think, <laughs> have you got better at it? Do you think you've learned think how to do it? I think that's a thing. Definitely. I think, I guess... Because I'm kind of astonished at how you've both produced it, stuff. I guess it's like... <laughs> it's like when you're playing the same five-a-side football pitch, right, every week, and then you learn, you, you feel like the, the kind of limits of the, of the space are within yeah. your, your muscles as opposed to in your eyes. Mm -hmm. And you just... Um, those, like, 15 to 16 minutes, like, the shape of where you need to be at minute 10 <laughs> yeah, in order to get to the end. I don't know. Uh, the astonishment's mutual, though. You're, I, I'm astonished by what you're writing, too. Don't make that face. <laughs> Um, I think that the main thing that I learned doing this is that if I don't commit to whatever idea I've had, mm. then then the false starts, <laughs> they rack up it. and mm. you just keep going and then nothing happens. So, Sorry, say that again. So what you're saying is you kind of need to go with where you started yeah. from. Yeah. Because yeah. if so, you lose yeah. five minutes on a, on a rejection, yeah. not only are you panicking more... But 10 minutes is very different to 15, and yeah, it just is hard. Yeah, no, I actually had that with this one, that I got halfway in and thought, actually, this isn't going to work. I need to start again. Then I thought, no, actually... Stay the... Stay, stay the yeah, <laughs> Tweak it about a bit and make it kind of work. That's right. But I got panicky as soon as I realised it was going to be a prose poem, because I was like, there's, there's, no, there's no way I can... Yeah. But sometimes having to um, end things before they seem to reach a narrative... That was that worked really well. Yeah, and it's good. How many of, of of what you produced doing this have you both kept? That's a good and, question. And worked on and really none yet. Yet, I think That's maybe two or three. Right. Like, well, I haven't published them, but they're in the book. Yeah. As I hope to publish it. Yeah. But that's that. That's a pretty bad ratio, considering we've probably written certainly like fifty poems right <laughs> um but that's that's okay yeah i mean i guess sometimes it might just be a line or or a yeah a, you know because you can go back as well can't you and look at your mm. stuff that you've rejected a while ago and then find little bits that you can mm. pilfer yeah definitely i also feel like it sometimes just points the way to what you should be writing about like the, if, if a recurrent concern is coming into your poems and you're like oh that is actually the poem that wants to be written I, don't, I haven't written it now but yeah I can go away and write that poem yeah mm -hmm. and it's exercise it's like a little um the equivalent of like a boot camp because you just sort of it hurts <laughs> <laughs> yeah and also but you see things don't you? like it's like oh normalcy is actually quite odd mm. <laughs> And even if that's all you go away with is having noticed that because you've been forced to write a poem about it, mm. that's kind of a useful thing to have seen, probably. Mm. 
I also think it's like I wouldn't now, I think, set out to directly write about, um, I'm doing air quotes, like everyday sexism. I'm not doing air quotes because it's not a thing. I'm doing air quotes because I feel like feminism's do- doing like awful, awful things at the moment, turf-wise. Mm. But um, I, uh, I like when something appears when I've not looked at, when I've not tried to do that, like that it feels sort of within that theme, but right. not on purpose. Exactly, to, to arrive at that theme, not having set out yeah. for it. So it feels better. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us your song titles? Yes. Um, um, so now we're moving into the true party section of the, of the show, because Ella's Waterball bangers. It, it, st- it starts calm, does and it? then it really... It, um, Escalates quickly. It does. Um, calm Down is the first title. Okay. Murder, She Wrote would be the next one. <laughs> Got Your Money, next one. Give Me Some More, or Gasolina. How do you spell that? Uh, gas, and then O, and then L, I, N, E, A. Gasolina. Um, Mark, any of those speaking to you? Well, I quite like Calm Down, and then I quite like Murder, She Wrote, and then... And I quite... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I quite like Give Me Some More. I don't, I don't know. I can't... Mm, mm. Um, I think they're all... I think they all could work. They're quite good, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, nothing makes a poem leap out, but... No, no. But I wouldn't be bothered with any of them. Calm Down kind of has its voice kind of built into the title a little bit. I wonder if that's a good or bad thing. Um, how about Got Your Money? Was that what it was? Got Your got Money? Your, got Your Money. Sound good? Fine. Okay. <laughs> got Your Money. Mark doesn't care. Got Your Money um, <laughs> is the title of the next poem. We're going to have, oh, 18 minutes of, of Ella's music. And then we'll come back and read the poems. If you want to send us what you've written, we're on at Stress Test Soho on Twitter. We'll see you after this. Hello and welcome back to Stress Test on Soho Radio. Um, we are here. We've written our third and final poem. It was called Got Your Money. Oh, shit. I totally didn't even look at that title. <laughs> um, Ella, how was Got Your Money? Yeah, I, yeah, I think mine doesn't really relate that much either. Yeah. Maybe that's the... Does yours relate, Mark? It, I haven't really got any. <laughs> I nearly did a runner. Did you? No, it's that would have been great. I have, yeah. I mean, I did stick to it, and maybe that was my mistake. That um, that because I was thinking when we were looking at titles earlier, you know, sometimes people just have titles that, and I, and I quite like poems that have no relation, that, where the title has no relation to mm. what you, you know. I was thinking, "Murder She Wrote" would be quite a nice title for a poem that had nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. right. Um. But stupidly, I stuck to the title and got a bit bit stuck. Mm. 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 Um, Well, let's leave your failure till last. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) 
End on a high. End on a high. Ella, why don't you start? Got your money. The cult had been digging into the mountain since the 60s. Snake motif, crystal orb. We paid to enter, fearing, no, hoping for some kind of extraterrestrial seduction. Into the bowels of the rock we descended, electric with strange. Trapdoor, mosaic. I wanted to know about their language that could be read, spoken or danced. I wanted to know how it feels to leave civilization for a cave. Or why every woman of the thousand women painted on the walls, lit by candles, had massive jugs. But the other visitors began to have ecstatic revelations. Uh, the cave echoing their moans and mutterings. And, we stepped to, and as we stepped to the side to allow them to prostrate properly, we noticed our tour guide stroking her coin purse. What are you, journalists? she asked. And we understood, falling to the floor, rolling our voices in the source of the weird acoustic. I praised the fullness of the orbs and I meant it. Great, that's great. I mean... Got your money. Yeah, okay, got your money's I, in there. I, I yeah, mean, absolutely. <laughs> there's a coin purse. There's a coin, yeah. there's a stroking of a coin purse. Um, that was cool. I love those poems that imagine, I guess, a, another culture as though they're some sort of like archaeological um, study. I mean, I did visit, there's a cult. I did visit it in the, in the spring. Did you? Yeah. Where's the they cult? Live in, a, in Italy. live in a cave and there are massive breasted women as in the women are small but the breasts are massive on the walls and they and wow. have they drawn those they're not like prehistoric drawings oh, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> how come you were visiting them just because we were nearby and um i'd read that, that there was a cult right um, were you frightened of getting drawn in we we were and we were like, brutally disappointed they didn't want to draw you in of, they were yeah if anything i think we ruined the tour because they were suspicious of us right they didn't oh, give they up thought, all their so, so they really thought you were journalists. Yeah, yeah. Which, in a sense, you kind of were. Yeah, I've kind of ruined the poem now because the stories, the anecdotes, sort of better. <laughs> I, uh, it's it's a pigment of mine. <laughs> it's all a creation. That's so interesting. How many people in the cult? Uh, I think there were like a thousand, maybe. Whoa. Yeah, it's a successful cult. It's just that I think when we visited, the leader now has has died, and so mm. there's a sort of. I imagine that cults are best when they're when the person that made them is, is sort of around. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Then you get the power struggle. Yeah. Can they replace someone with a sufficiently charismatic... Is it a Christian cult? No, um, they are called Damanha, and they're a cult of sort of, like, everything. But they can talk to aliens, apparently, and... Um, cult of everything's good. Time travel. Yeah, not inclusive. But there's this... <laughs> the uh, temple that they've dug... I'm aware we're running out of time, but the temple that they dug in the mountain um, is the size of St Paul's. Wow, wow. It is quite impressive. So impressive. But they've just these awful paintings. On the, well, not, I'm, I, you know, I'm not against um, a, an enormous breast, but the style of the paintings is, is bad. Right. We should hear more poems. Yeah, I would love to keep going on that, but we are running out of time. Um, I'm going to read mine. Uh, got Your Money. Which it feels like it's a little bit adjacent to yours. Poison the Well, my best friend suggested. And so we bought it online, some lead and mercury and a little thorium for luck, and chucked it down there and waited. And waited. We were young then. We always bought our water from the shop, big tanks of it we dragged home conspicuously through the streets. 
and our neighbours came to know us as filtered water people, charmingly paranoid, and they sometimes teased us about it, whether we also had a fallout bunker dug out of our basement, tinned peaches and herring. We came to like them, our neighbours, their sweet faith, faith in the goodness of things, their baking, stewed rhubarb. And we looked into having the well remediated, but the costs were prohibitive. It was all a matter of statistics anyway, the likelihood of dying from this or that. As we got older, we slightly hoped that we would get sick first, because then we wouldn't have to have it hanging over us. The well we poisoned back when, that was the kind of thing we were into. <laughs> Great. They, well, they are related, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Certainly an atmosphere. Right. Mm. It's a shame that that should come from the title, which doesn't seem like it's <laughs> really? pointing that way. Yeah, but maybe well, it's that we were avoiding it. And yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's great. Great. Mark, do you want to... Oh, to, dear, have we to, run out of time? We, we've got <laughs> <laughs> just enough Fine. time to hear yours, actually, Fine. funnily enough. Got your money. I got your money and I put your money to work. I'm making it sweat. It's working away in the dirty hole I put it in. <laughs> the longer it's in there, the smaller it is. It's working at making itself smaller, working away at shrinking. And the list of the things you could swap it for are shrinking too. <laughs> Come and get it, Steve, before it's gone. You could have swapped it for a nice big poem, but now <laughs> you couldn't swap it for a little one. It's so That's good. Great. <laughs> You liar. Yeah. No, it's not. It's just... <laughs> Michael Donaghy, the only quote I remember from the time that I was in his workshop, he said, whenever I get tempted to mention the, a poem in a poem, I go and have a cold shower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really well, good. I, I think he probably broke that rule a few times, didn't he? Yeah, he probably did. Yeah. I think some of them are a bit meta. <laughs> Uh, well, it's so great to have you with us today, Mark. No, Thanks it was really for, nice to be here. Yeah. And um, I heartily and passionately recommend A Straight Up Giant, available from Blood Axe or from your bookshop, and it's really, really good. Um, we are back in a couple of months, but before that we'll be in Edinburgh for the book festival, as mentioned, Saturday the 12th of August, and we don't have a guest lined up for next time, but... They won't be as good as Mark Waldron. <laughs> um, so thanks for listening and see you next time. Bye. Bye.